Life isn't something that happens to you. <laughs> right? You right? Create it. It, 100%. I mean, every cool thing that you see in the media landscape, which kids seem to gravitate towards, I did it too. Everything was thought out, designed, created, scaled, and put out into the world. Welcome to the fifth episode of Boots or Out of the Studio, produced by GDC Manitoba. GDC is Canada's national certification body for graphic and communication designers, and this podcast is here to interview graphic designers and creatives from Manitoba and hopefully across Canada about their work, their lives, and what makes them excited about good design. My name is Leif Norman. Normally, I'm a photographer, but I grew up listening to CBC and Peter Zosky, and I always wanted to interview people and bring out their best, so here I am, interviewing designers. Our guest for today is Craig Medwidak, a professional graphic designer, screen printer, illustrator, and volunteer. This is what Craig's got to say for himself. Howdy! I have been working as a creator for the past 20 years, making successful visual work for clients like the Juno Awards, the Grey Cup, Federated Cooperatives, Canadian Country Music Awards, General Electric, Rogers, etc. A mountain of awesome projects with great clients. A career with peer recognition is an amazing thing. To have worked with and for incredible people is the cherry on top. And to pass that knowledge on to those who seek it, I don't know what that is, but it's really freaking cool to see someone get it. The current studio, Odelay, is located in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Along with the love of my life, Jacqueline, we create great things under this big blue prairie sky. What would you have done if you weren't a graphic designer? Um, when I was a kid, I wanted to uh, get tutelage from somebody like Tom Savini, a makeup artist. I really wanted to do that. Um, I used to watch horror movies. I okay. used to order these brochures that he had this company and they would sell like the the spirit gum and all this the stuff. The latex and the fake blood. Yeah, like if the internet was around then that I could just Google how to do it, mm. maybe something completely different. Well, that's what Fangoria Magazine was for. I loved Fangoria Magazine. Like I had stacks of it, but Ryerson was the only place that had like prosthetic makeup courses and I was not in that sort of financial realm with my folks and stuff so so you wanted to make you wanted to do crazy special effects and slasher movies and stuff. crazy effects you know graphically kind of weird how it all kind of turned out when so this was like about 20 years ago 25 years ago that would have been like 30 years okay. ago 35 years ago so what uh, music were you listening to while you were reading fangoria magazine uh i listened to hip-hop like Old hip-hop. De La Soul? Older, dude. <laughs> there was one place downtown called Games on the Avenue, and it was an arcade. And in the middle of that arcade, they had a little thing where you got your quarters. And in that little thing, they had tapes. They sold tapes. And they had a little row of hip-hop tapes. Schooly D, Cool Mo D, Early Beastie Boys, Randy MC. Me and my buddy Scott would go there. And hip-hop had me at hello. It was crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. My brother listened to a bunch of that stuff in, in like 1985, 86. I just didn't get it. I was like, oh, I don't like it. What is this stuff? I don't like it at all. Yeah. I'd bring tapes to school and be like, no, nah, we're going to put on Guns N' Roses. And I be know. Like, it was all like what? Iron Maiden, Motley Crue. That's what I And wanted. that stuff's cool. Yeah. Totally cool. Yeah. But hip hop was just, it had that, it was the heartbeat, right? It yeah. was the beat that got me. 
And that's why I still love it today. So what did you want to do when you were even even younger, like when you were six or seven years old? Cop. A cop? Totally a cop. Does that run in your family? No. Cop, and then I thought CSIS agent. I, I shit you not. You're the man. I know. You were going to be a G-man. Something about, and I remember there was this little graphic book in grade school, and it was on how to be a detective, and it was all graphic, and they had like, you know, a magnifying glass and how you dust for fingerprints. I kept that book. Like, I, I didn't take it back. I just took it, and I just loved it. I loved the idea of being a spy, sneaky, I don't know. Maybe it was the, the design that got you about that book. Could be, because... It sounded like it looked pretty cool. Elton John's Yellow Brick Road was my first introduction to, like, graphic design. And I would stare at that thing. Album covers, once again. And I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know how to connect those dots until after high school where I met Andy Stout. And Andy Stout and his brother were incredible designers in the city. They did, like, the Palliser logo, Focalrama logo. Oh, okay. Incredible stuff. So did the, how did the hip hop album covers? Did, were they were a little rough back then. They were kind of like lo-fi, so they didn't have much graphic design. Or, or did that? They were lo-fi, but then like Run DMC's "Raising Hell." I mean, duotone, purple duotone with green type on it, like this weird hospital green, loud, loud eighties, right? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, you know, types on an angle. You know, you can do that kind of stuff. Or Beastie Boys putting an illustration of a plane smashing you know it's a painting you know and creating that sort of subconsciously i guess i started figuring out that people started creating that environment not from the music but at first response like as soon as you see something that was the idea of creating that persona that idea of environment and identity and those things subconsciously started connecting in my mind even though i didn't know what the hell it was at all. I didn't have any type skills. I doodled. I doodled all over the place. Um, but it wasn't until I met Andy when he was like, you know, you could make a career doing that. I totally fell into being a designer. 100%. I'd Just... be working in a warehouse right now. <laughs> with my buddy Scott. 100%. So what What do you think? What do you think makes bad design could you tell like right away when something just doesn't work or clunky or like what do you think about that it depends i mean there's definitely some stuff is style with no substance some connects both but sometimes just style is great yeah you know sometimes it's something you want that initial reaction and it does its job connecting but it's the great stuff that connects the message with the graphics and then they intertwine and then you go to the event or the something and it just kind of just molds into something that's design right and brand strategy yeah a lot a lot of times people just will you know mindlessly use a particular font or they'll do like a crazy vaudeville circus style poster because it's loud and crazy but maybe it doesn't have anything to do with like what they're trying to do so that's what you're talking about with 100 percent um and it's as you know, it's funny because as designers get older, we get better because we start having that understanding of how people's brains work, how things connect, and life experience. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's just being yeah, just getting older. I remember being you know twenty nothing years old and just being frustrated because I couldn't didn't know how to interpret the the world and 
and I, I, I knew that there was stuff going on, but I was so confused and overwhelmed by it. And that's what happens when you're young. But yeah. then, you know, you're walking down the sidewalk enough times and you get to, to get the feel for the world, which is, I think that's what you're talking about, right? You just connect the dots of yeah. life. And then, you know, even now, you know, it's money is not the factor. It's time, right? The, um, you start thinking about taking better care of yourself you know, quitting doing things that are a hindrance in your life. And you start realizing that time is that commodity. And the more time that I spend thinking as a designer and living as a designer, that's time well spent because I just get better at it. And the work that, you know, the work we've done, you know, even in the last two weeks is like the best work we've ever done. <laughs> cool. And a month from now will be the best thing that we've ever done. You're never going to plateau. I don't see it. I don't know. We'd always be thinking, creating. That's what we are. We're creators. We're makers of things. Yeah, you can't rest on your laurels, right? Not at all. So who are your uh, inspirations? Like, do you uh, like read magazines and stuff or you just like watch cartoons or something? Like, what do you do kind of for to, to charge up and get sp spiced up? Honestly, right, right now, working with my partner, Jacqueline, you know, we're life partners, we're business partners. And we just like when we're in that zone, like having something on a screen and we're just standing back and we're, we're each taking turns talking about it. Seriously, there's it's magic time. It's really cool. That's that sounds that sounds almost too good to be true. I got to push you on that a bit more. Like 20 years ago, we you were just talking about like a really loud uh, Run DMC cover where it jumped at you. Yeah. You know, so like what else would you say would be a. Uh, a design inspiration like more from the past maybe uh definitely from the well canadian design i mean because it is a it is a true international style because it's funny the design here it's not a melting pot people still grab from you know dutch from swiss japanese american style and it's and it's kind of canadian design is turning it into its own thing right now and i guess you know, when I was younger, I would look at like people like Saul Bass, Paul Rand, um, Stefan Segmeister, who's still, you know, he's still super amazing to me because he's amazing. I got to meet him a few times, correspond with him a few times, and it was great. So, and it's one of the true instances of meeting a hero and them turning out to be pretty cool people. Um, but then, you know, young designers, I mean, uh, the fellows, at Guppy, um, they inspired me every day. And it was like, they'd come in, they'd do something cool, and I'd be like, oh crap, I gotta do something even better than that. So it keeps you on your toes. And you know, um, uh, with Odelay, you know, Jacqueline keeps me on my toes. So it's, it's really great. And inspiration comes from everywhere. That sounds really cliche, but design has gone from a kind of like professionals in a building to being everybody can do it because everybody has the tools. So I feel it's our jobs as professionals to be that inspiration and show people the way everybody gets shown the way because that's the way the world's set up now. Yeah. Yeah. Things are a lot more interconnected for sure. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, uh, what do you love to do that has nothing to do with design? Play You're, guitar. Uh-huh. Yeah. And search for vinyl records. And records, uh, uh, DJ parties. Um, 
hunt for records. Uh, I like sitting in the backyard thinking about design. I don't know if that's a pastime. <laughs> Watching the birds? <laughs> but, you know, always making things, making music, making art, and not stopping doing that. So you're, you're a music guy. I love music. Music's the thing that binds the world together inherently. When a beat comes on, everybody's bobbing their head, tapping their feet. It doesn't matter which language, which religion. Good music is good music. So what do you play when you're DJing? Like, what are your go-to people? Early Michael Jackson or... Uh, <laughs> 80s, uh, house music, right up to Dead Mouse. You know, um, everything. Stone roses and spiral carpets. Everything. Yeah, of, everything yeah. that gets people moving. Okay. And it's funny, especially now, you dip into the catalog of 80s stuff and everybody's like, oh, this song, who is this? And yeah. it's like. It's the B-52s, you idiot. Yeah. Oh, B-52s. <laughs> People are so young now. <laughs> yeah, and they, they don't know. Oh, yeah, you like LCD sound system? Well, there's a band called B-52s, and then there was a band called Liquid Liquid, you know, and there's a there's a cycle, you know, and that's, that's kind of right. like design, too. There's a cycle. <laughs> so what do you what books do you think people should should read? Like if you were a, a, a design librarian, what would you hand over and say, you got to read this and check this out? Graphic Design Manual by Armin Hoffman is great. There's a pentagram book from the 70s. It's funny because you go on Amazon or, sorry, giving kudos to Amazon. Ah, But But you go on Amazon and then you search for some of these classic books and they're so overpriced. But like six years ago, you get them used for five bucks. Mm. You know, it's like everybody's hunting for these gems of design. Um if you were if if I was young and I was going to get into like an advertising design job where we were doing commercial work, I'd read the brand gap and then Zag and then there's another brand gap book that talks about social media. There's seriously half an hour reads. Wow. But right there you have an arsenal of brand strategy. You're playing in a world of business. So you have to speak the language of business. You can't speak the language of design. Because you'll you'll fall on deaf ears. People don't get it. And that so brand gap. That's talking about sort of business type stuff. It's talking about the strategy of, of, of branding and why branding works. Cool. It's an easy read. If you read it, you're an expert. I should get that. You should get that. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, this is a redundant question. You already told me what you do to stay creative. You sit in the backyard and play guitar. Anything else? Um. Well, uh, up until recently, uh, I've actually started also a senior design job with Federated Co-op. And I work with a team of really young, hotshot designers. They keep me on my toes, mm-hmm. 100%. Every day they're showing you something where you're like, oh, I wish I thought of that. that was... Absolutely. <laughs> or don't do that. That's, oh. <laughs> that's wrong. You know, so I have to pull back into my arsenal because, you know, I've been away from having a team, like a, a team of people that were relying on me to, to guide them, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm step, I'm stepping back into that role and it feel it's, it's a more comfortable place for me now because I don't have to worry about their payroll. Right. Right. So, so how can you tell when something's wrong? Like you just look right at it and you're like, bang, that's wrong. How? Uh, using uh, quote marks instead of inch marks. You know, if we're putting, uh, you know, um, 
something has a measurement on it that just happened recently and uh, just you know no fault of their own so it's just knowing the proper punctuation it's just knowing like... knowing the little things that make something right and make something wrong like proper kerning whatever proper kerning yeah. uh, always telling kern those two letter forms because that looks really bizarre yeah. and honestly you see that stuff everywhere it's a problem people have the power but they don't know how to wield it and some of the cool typefaces they don't spend time tweaking them in the software so people have to become observant and become their own getting that um that critical eye 100 percent. that that is the most important skill for somebody to, to develop is to be able to step back from the screen and look at something objectively if it's working if the type's correct if the spacing's correct there's a natural order of things mm -hmm. and I don't know what it is. I just know that it is. Right. Right. So I can look at something and go, eh, fix that, move that. Good. Right. That's, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I, it's kind of like having the ability to stand back and pretend you've never seen something before. It's a really difficult philosophical trick in your head. And yeah. That's what you're talking about, right? Absolutely. And you get so hung up on the micro that you forget to step back and look at the macro. Yeah, 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 I do. I as a photographer, I get the same thing all the time because I'm doing headshots and portraits, and I have to tell the people, look at this image of themselves, obviously, but they have to pretend that they don't have never seen that person before, right. and assess whether it's a good photo from that point of view, as opposed to oh, I hate my nose or you know my hair is not doing the right thing today, and it is a very useful tool. I mean, and they micro you micro focus on that little that's detail, right? Instead of seeing the bigger picture. That's right. So they're looking at the corner of one of their eyes and no one is going to see that. Yeah. So that's And true. they've probably looked at the corner of that eye <laughs> for all their life. Then they just hate it. Yeah. It's true. It's true. So how do you think, this is an impossible question, but predict 10 years in the future. Like what's, not just you, but what do you think the whole industry is going to be doing? The whole world's about to change within the next 10 years. Industries that we thought were safe bets are completely gone. AI and uh, the technology that surrounds it will be completely different. I had a discussion with my father this morning. He was talking about Tesla making a new uh, autonomous delivery vehicle, and they're going hard on it. And yesterday in Saskatoon, I'm driving near our house is a long-haul trucker training. Dude, you're like totally training for a job that yeah. will not exist. There will not be drivers. Yeah, that's it's probably all going to be robot convoys. The same thing is happening with our industry, one hundred percent, and we see it with the with the you know I don't want to say a problem with um, you know people wanting to be part of an, a professional association. They just don't care because their friends can do it too. Somebody can download Photoshop legally or illegally and have the great power that's behind it. Do a couple Lynda.coms and they're graphic designers. And I think it's a great thing for our industry because it makes the people who are very skilled completely excel because in that realm of all that trash are little gems that pop up. It's the same thing with digital photography. People 100%. always talk to me and go, oh, well, you know, don't you miss the film days? And now everybody has a phone in their camera, a camera in their phone. And... The cream always rises to the top, no matter what happens. I mean, all of the lower end of the pyramid gets fatter, but the peak is still the peak of the pyramid, as far as totally. I can tell. And those people are always going to make it. 
and there's all this chaff and noise down below. And it is great that anyone can just have InDesign or Photoshop or whatever and, and download some free fonts and call themselves a designer. But we know that they're not really a designer. They kind of can throw something out, out pretty quickly and it may look okay, much better than they would have to do in the 80s, I suppose. But would you agree that the good guys are always going to find work? They're always going to rise to the yes. top. The skilled people will always find work. But I think if you did a job and somebody's satisfied and gives you money, you're a designer. Who am I to judge? Really? Who am no, I to that's judge? That's true. I mean, that's the same thing. I mean, uh, that's what a professional is, is someone who can do a job and get paid for it. So, you know, doing this for as long and to call myself a professional and, you know, sometimes an art director, sometimes a creative director, a senior, whatever fuck people want to talk about mm-hmm. with titles. I don't really care. I'm a graphic designer. But it is my job to, because people did it for me, they took the time to spend and help and guide and direct. And if I can do that, and I've done it for a number of people, and they've gone into amazing careers, if I can do that, that's me saying thank you to those people who took the time. Yeah. Well, knowledge is power, and and not everyone who has Photoshop is willing to put in the the effort, like you said, they do watch a couple lynda.coms. Is that really putting in a lot of effort? They're not really in it for blood, are they? <laughs> putting in effort is looking back at a career and yeah, I, I was counting the projects, 9,000, 10,000. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. You know, a bunch of awards that are in a box collecting dust. That's a real professional when you've got awards in a box collecting dust. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You don't even care. It's like, oh, whatever that is. Well, no, and, you know, it's it's weird because I go through them and I recollect on the amount of work that it took to get those things. And it's really cool to be judged by your peers and have people go, that's really great stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking ahead, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. not, not going to rest on that stuff. No, so, you can't do that. Yeah. So what else do you do to, to find balance between work and, 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 and life besides being like a DJ and... It's, I don't really have that kind of life though. I've, here's a, here's an interesting story. So, um, my old studio, uh, here in Winnipeg, uh, Guppy, we were putting out, we moved downtown onto Graham and we had this little storefront and we're like, you know what? We're going to make a store and sell shirts and posters and we're going to screen print that shit ourselves. We're just going to do it. So we did it. You know, had a small budget, did it. And I was stressed out. I was working on I was drawing this skull. And the skull had teeth that said guppy. And I was like, oh, I got to work tonight. And I'm drawing. And then I was like sitting there. And then my brain, I was like, yeah, but this is what you love doing. This is what, this is like you're drawing a design that you're going to screen print on a shirt. And then you're going to sell it. And somebody's going to wear it. And you've self-fulfilled that prophecy of creating things, selling things, and somebody is enjoying it. What are you complaining about? And at that moment, I realized my life is design. And I don't, I don't, I don't work to live. And I don't live to work. I just am. Well, that's I, a good way of doing it. Yeah. And I've just accepted that, that that's how my brain works. It doesn't shut off. You know, and I, you know, in meeting other like-minded professionals, 
that's just how it goes. And it's, you can, uh, you can put up barriers and not accept it, or you can accept it wholeheartedly and everything becomes about design. The way you, you know, recreate your house or your yard or, you know, your body, you know, everything about you is, you can think about those things. Well, now that you put it that way, it sort of makes me uh, think that the idea of separating work and play, you know, your private life and your public life is kind of a very 20th century baby boomer kind of idea is that nine to five, go to work and then you go fishing on the weekends or play golf or something. And I don't think the world is really like that anymore. Maybe all these young kids, they don't want it to be like that. Maybe it is a good thing that you can love something so much and just do it and you just live and sleep and that's just what is going on. And you can also play a guitar on the side. Life isn't something that happens to you. <laughs> right. You right? got to create it. it 100%. Yeah. I mean, every cool thing that you see in the media landscape, which kids seem to gravitate towards, I did it too. Everything was thought out, designed, created, scaled, and put out into the world. It's the artists who know how to scale. Yeah. That's always been my problem. I don't know how to scale. Like little I stuff do, versus I do, big stuff. But I still like doing just I just like doing little stuff and yeah. then giving somebody a poster. I did a poster for you. Oh, how much show you? Nothing. I just did it. <laughs> we just just dropped off a laser cut sign that glows in the dark using phosphorescent ink and she and metal strapping, shipped it here. It's been a year long project. And she's like, What do I owe you? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> she looked at me like I was crazy you're the easter bunny of design i am the easter bunny of design no i'm not the easter bunny. <laughs> i don't want that out there <laughs> what's your favorite color black <laughs> you're such a skater it's all color. it's all colors <laughs> it's, it's all colors in one well i thought when you put uh, i remember in kindergarten when you put all of the paints into the one where you're cleaning your brushes yeah it just turns into chocolate milk it, I'd like to think it turns into black, but it really turns into chocolate milk. It just turns into this horrible Assiniboine Gray. River water brown. Yeah, <laughs> it's, that's it. The Assiniboine River. It's every color. in Saskatchewan we call it Regina water. <laughs> <laughs> what question do you wish I had asked you? I don't. I don't know. Maybe like advice for designer or people who are thinking about getting into the career. I don't know. All right. Well, that's the next question. Oh. What are your words of wisdom? I guess words of wisdom would be just keep at it. And if you know that you have something to say, then design gives you a platform to say it through other people's projects. <laughs> Without sounding That's too very like subversive of you, I know. It's but I mean, fifth column. I've like put so many little things into things. It's really funny, and things that have turned into inside jokes with clients. I, I believe those are called Easter eggs. Yeah, Easter eggs. Oh, and it, oh there you go. Happy Easter. You are it. You are. <laughs> you just did it. You just. Like, I just lawyered you into that position. You are the Easter Bunny of design. All right. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll be expecting a, a t-shirt in the future. Easter Bunny of design, some kind of cool thing. Totally. I used to actually run my own silk screen company, too. So Oh, awesome. I love, I love that stuff. I yeah. love screen printing. Yeah, it's super fun. Yeah. Um, 
it's just it's a gratifying physical hands-on mm-hmm. you know and and even trying to create techniques to make it more functional because yeah. it's a factory setting yeah. so how do we streamline this yeah. how do we reduce the the ink that we use right. recovering the ink having the emulsion go through a filter so we can properly disable it you know within the, you know trying to be very clean about it using, wow you you got way more into it than i did i was just like water i, just, I blended inks that was as fast fancy as i got it was citrus cleaners water-based inks it's it there's a reason why we're doing what we're doing so mm-hmm. i don't know what that reason is though <laughs> okay final question how is saskatoon saskatoon is winnipeg 35 years ago when it was like pretty cool mm-hmm. like it's not it's winnipeg's still cool i'd like to think so but you've got you've got both perspectives now there's some uh really awesome stuff in saskatoon there's some terrible stuff um, I like the integration between, you know, uh, the colonial sort of spectrum, but then First Nations. You know, I've met, met and had conversations and done business with more First Nations than anywhere else. Um, I really like the design community. It's very young, um, but there's also no design school there. So... You got to really like Saskatoon to move back, you know, <laughs> but that also, that's an open door for opportunity. So. Yeah, it's wide open. It's wide open. This has been a production by GDC Manitoba, Andrew Boardman, Evan Coos, and me, Leif Norman. Music for Oots has been supplied by The Scissor Kicks. Thanks for listening, and I hope we all learn something.